have you ever heard of emotional monitoring? Because if you're anything like me, (laughs) you're going to relate to this a lot. Welcome back to the Anxious Therapist Podcast, a safe space where we believe vulnerability is the key to happiness. Emotional monitoring is so automatic and ingrained in you from a very young age, typically, that it becomes a subconscious practice. And I want to make you aware of it because it is negatively impacting your life. So I'm going to share personal examples of how this affects my day-to-day life and where it came from for me. And hopefully you can do your own self-reflection to see if this is something that you're engaging in and maybe even pinpoint where it came from for you. As you could probably guess, a huge cause of this behavior is childhood trauma. Being in an environment in which you felt obligated to always read the room, to be aware of any heightened or changed emotional states in the people around you, especially adults or primary caregivers, so that you could be prepared for the worst case scenario. So when you were a kid and you walk into a room and you would assess body language, voice tone, what's being said, what's not being said. And like, let's say you're eight years old doing this already. Um, So you go into action. You start thinking, okay, maybe it's best if I, A, go back to my room and play the role of being seen and not heard. Or B, maybe I need to try to take over the situation and become the mediator. That was often my role. And now I want to remind you guys that no one asked me to take on this role. No one like forced me into this role. It was a product of my environment. I, being a natural empath was keen to becoming this way, becoming an emotional monitor uh, as a survival mechanism for chaos in my upbringing. And so when you're thinking about, you know, why you are this way and everything, I want you to have grace for the situation that you were in. And nine times out of 10, um, when we're talking about common childhood traumas that were not of malicious intent, but were more of like our emotional needs went unmet. You know, no one was checking in with us because they had their own shit going on in those types of situations. It helps me a lot to remember to have grace. And I like the DBT uh, modality of thinking that Everybody is doing the best that they can at all times. You might not be in a space to believe that yet, but that's where I am and that's where I'm coming to this from. And so I don't blame my family for my emotional monitoring. It was a defense mechanism that my brain just picked up on and utilized. So if you're doing this, um, it is likely a result of childhood 
circumstances and ways that it's impacting you now in adulthood. We've talked about things like this before where, you know, your partner walks into the room and you are picking up some weird vibes and you immediately say, what's wrong? What do you need? How can I help? And they say, nothing. I just had a long day. Uh, But you're still picking up on that energy and you immediately react and start engaging in behavior as if it is your responsibility to improve their mood. So you might be also exhausted and have very little energy left in the tank, but you're going to go clean the kitchen. You're going to make dinner. You're going to run whatever errands need to be run. You're going to take care of the kids if that's a factor in your life right you're you're going to go above and beyond to try to take away any potential negatives from that other person to try and uh, improve the state of the situation i do this frequently when i perceive that derek my husband is not in a good space i immediately like subconsciously and now even sometimes consciously because I'm so aware of my emotional monitoring, make it my life's mission, right? In that moment, I'm like, I will do anything and everything to make sure that he is taken care of and help him turn his mood around. Everything from trying to like lighten the mood of the situation by cracking jokes or sending him funny videos Um, doting on him, like grabbing a snack for him, filling up his water bottle, you know, saying, I'm going to take Lars outside for a walk, telling him to just go relax, whatever, right? I am going to go into my fix it mode because I am sensing that you are not okay. And my brain has now made that my responsibility to manage it for you. Now, there's a lot of issues when it comes to emotional monitoring beyond the stress and strain that it puts on us because we we logically know that other people's emotions and their feelings and their well-being is not our responsibility like we love our people and we want to support and you know and love on them but when it comes to like if my husband's having a bad day and he needs something from me I need to give him space to explicitly ask for what he needs when I just jump into action and start doing things I am not only depleting myself, but then I am removing his emotional experience. I'm not allowing him to feel whatever he's feeling because I'm just going into fix-it mode. I'm, I'm just problem-solving. And he may need to just sit and exist in that emotional state for a minute and, and, and process through some things on his own. But I am robbing him of that opportunity when I try to change his emotional state. So it is one thing to be an emotional monitor and aware of tones and body language and moods and energies within a room, no matter who you're with, right? It's one thing to be aware of that. It's another thing to try and change it, to make yourself responsible for it and put that burden of changing that person person's emotional experience by yourself. I personally 
need to stop doing this because, well, one, it's exhausting, but two, how are the people around me going to learn to effectively regulate their emotions and communicate about their emotions and their needs if I do not give them opportunities to do so? If I'm not allowing them opportunities to do so, we're going to stay stuck in this cycle forever where now my partner has learned, for example, let's say that um, if if he's upset, I will automatically fix it. So he's learned that all he has to do is, <sighs> right, big size or, you know, kind of like <sighs> stomp around and, you know, huff and puff and um, show me that he is bothered by something and then I'll just jump to action. Now we've created this almost manipulative cycle where he is playing on my emotional monitoring unknowingly. He's now doing that subconsciously because he knows that that's the behavior that I'll engage in. Whether he wants me to do that or not, it becomes a cycle that we're perpetuating. So you have to be really careful and really mindful of how your emotional monitoring is impacting your relationships. Do you do this at work? Are you taking on more tasks and jobs at work than are your responsibility because you're sick of your coworkers complaining and you know, oh man, I can just like get it done faster if I just do it myself and it's it's no big deal, whatever, I'll just do it myself because I don't want to hear it from them or, oh God, I know their kid is sick and they're stressed out. And so, you know, it's one thing to lend a helping hand. It's another thing when you say, I am going to try to remove every negative experience for another person as I can. As in doing that, you are sacrificing not only your well-being, but any chance that they have to grow and learn from real experiences. We often in adulthood are trying to live a life that we needed as a child, right? We wanted someone in childhood to protect us from negative experiences, to protect us from the adults who were lashing out or emotionally unavailable or, right, like, you know, constantly crabby or crying or yelling at us, whatever it might be. We, we want to protect that little child. And so with our emotional monitoring in adulthood, we're basically saying like other people are not capable of regulating their emotions, taking care of themselves or experiencing negative emotions. And that's simply not true. We're going above and beyond trying to heal our inner child, but we're projecting that onto all of the people around us. And it's unnecessary. It's exhausting. And so now I just voice it to Derek, my husband, when I catch myself emotional monitoring with him. You know, I've asked you several times today what's wrong. I'm really picking up on some not so great energy, and you just keep telling me that you're tired, but I am feeling a type of way about it. And we have a conversation about it. And I say, okay, here's, here's where my brain is going. My brain is telling me that 
I need to take Lars. I need to tell you to go in the other room and I need to like clean the house and get all this shit done so that you can feel better. But I know that that's not productive, nor is that probably what you even want or need. So can you let me know if there's something you want or need from me? And we can create this dialogue and I just have to own it and tell him, I am feeling the urge to fix this for you. I'm feeling the urge to make you not grumpy anymore, to make you happier, right, in this in this moment. And I know that that's not my responsibility. So this is what I'm feeling, and I'm working through my own emotions try, as I try to sit here and regulate yours. And by creating that dialogue and opening up and owning when it's happening you not only bring awareness to the fact that you've been stuck in this loop of engaging in this behavior, but you give your partner an opportunity to get to know you better and explicitly say what they need. Um, That takes away the power that it has over you and it has over your brain. So I really want you to think about how is emotional monitoring showing up in your life? How is it affecting your relationships, you know, are you feeling resentful in your relationships because you're doing all of this emotional monitoring, but your partner doesn't engage in those, those behaviors or your friends don't engage in those behaviors. So they're not constantly obsessing over your emotional state the way you are for them. And it feels unfair. It feels like you care more than they do when in reality, they have better boundaries than you do. And that's a hard truth to hear. But they're not obsessed with your emotional state because they trust that you can handle yourself. And when it comes down to it with emotional monitoring, you're not trusting that the people that you love and care about and want to be super happy can take care of themselves, can regulate their own emotions. So a lot to think about. I encourage you to grab out your journal and reflect on this because if any of this has resonated with you, start paying attention to where it's showing up in your life. Voice it, express these things to safe, trusted people and start making those changes so that you do not have to be an emotional monitor any longer. It is always an absolute pleasure of mine to spend a few minutes with you. I know time is valuable and I am so grateful that you choose to spend some of it with me in this space. If you love this episode, it means the world to me if you would share it with a friend who you think could benefit from it as well. And I can't wait to see you in the next episode.